0: Jesus, Deacon Jeff Rosignol. It's a fine blend of discipleship and entertainment. Truth is here. All right, let's pray. <laughs> oh, good morning, Father. Thank you for your grace and mercy on these folks who've come out, that they have beat whatever the devil's doing to people, oh, and they're winning. So thank you that you're winning in the hearts and minds of the folks that are here. And we'd love to see more victory, Father. If there's someone out there who belongs to you through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, we'd like to see evidence of that, Jesus. So I really pray that you would have victory in the town of Pawpaw and beyond, and that the people who uh, claim your name would be obedient. So, Father, uh, we would really like to see a moving of your hand on on these folk. Either bring them in or let them know that they don't belong to you. But don't let them pretend, Father, anymore. Please bring out the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So here's some ideas. Next week is Palm Sunday. The week after that is Easter. So we used to have a problem, not a problem, opportunities with the Creasters, the Christmas Easter visitors. We don't even have that anymore. So let's. I'm going to try to get something printed up like I was scheming two weeks ago that we can encourage people that if there was ever a time to obey Jesus and to come visit church, it's when celebrating his victory over death. And because it is Easter, it is Easter of what makes Christianity have anything of any value to anybody, it's Easter. It's that Jesus beat death, rose from the grave, and everything he said is true, and the power of God is real. Without Easter, Christianity is a useless religion, just like the rest of them. So, Easter's it. If a Christian cannot find it in their heart to worship Jesus on his resurrection, now we've got a problem. If that doesn't turn you on, nothing will. So, what we're going to get into is an exciting topic. It's exciting for me. The big fancy term is called sanctification. That's the big fancy word. And what that means is when God rescues you from your dumbness saves you, calls you out for His purpose. He then begins to mold you and change you for the rest of your life. He keeps changing you and changing you and changing you all through your life to be more like Jesus. Sometimes that is sweet blessing. Other times it is painful. And we don't necessarily like it. And that's what we're going to talk about because this should give you hope. Sanctification. Um <clears throat> There's three things to talk about sanctification. One is it's a separation from the world to God. The whole world is racing at freight train speeds towards, away from God, towards stupidity, towards sin, towards dumbness, towards uncoolness, towards everything that is bad. And the world is just sprinting there. <laughs> right? And then God takes a person and saves them. Nah. You're going this way, and then that person goes, Yay! I'm no longer stupid! And then they begin to run in the right direction, running after God. And this separation is a work of God. Everything we're going to talk about is a work of God in you. Alright? So, first, it's a separation. Second, it's a purifying. Meaning God is now, has now cleansed you, purified you. And he continues to purify you, and that process will continue your whole life. So you're called out, you're purified, and you're justified. So that even when your friends and the locals say, yeah, but I know what you did. I know what you did. You can say, yep, and God forgave it all. Has God forgiven you for that? Are you feeling God's forgiveness for that? Because before God the Father, if you're in Christ, you're justified. Justified, which means now God is not accusing you of anything. So let the world wag their fingers at you all day long. It doesn't matter. You belong to Jesus and you can say to the world. That's a great place to be, right? So, consecration, purification, the effect of a consecration is a sanctified heart and life. This is just some good stuff. So, again, consecration is to make or declare sacred. Sacred, holy, means set apart. The world's running in a big herd of dumbness, and God rescues you out, puts you on a plan of coolness, of real lifeness, And says, go, and now everything about you has meaning and purpose. Everything, from beginning to end. And he sets you apart. You belong to him. That's what it means to be a Christian. It's good stuff. Now, let's get some Bible verses into this. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved of the Lord. Now this is Paul writing to a church of people who love and are faithful to Jesus. Because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this yumminess. This is a stake of theology right here. Um, he's, he's giving thanks to God for other Christians. Paul the Apostle is giving thanks to God for other Christians because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from God's wrath. That's coming to all the people who think they can earn their way to heaven. God's wrath is waiting for them. But they've been saved from God's wrath. How? Through sanctification. Sanctification isn't a magical spell of sparklies. It's being set apart. So through being set apart by the Holy Spirit, that's a capital S, Holy Spirit, and belief in the truth, See, people believe a lot of things that aren't true. In order to go to heaven, the Holy Spirit allows you, enables you to believe in the truth. Right, And a lot of people don't like the truth. The truth is convicting. The truth makes us uncomfortable. But the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to believe in the truth. And that first truth is that Jesus lived, died, was buried, and rose again on the third day for your evil. He paid your fine, believing in the truth. So that's very important. And then to this, he called you through our good news, gospel means good news, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You get to bask in that same glory. That's cool stuff. How's that for, for some it's giving you some hope? Sanctification to be set apart. 1 Corinthians one thirty and 31. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. Now, who's this him? It's God the Father. It's In verse 29, it's talking about God. And because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and set-apartness, sanctification and redemption. Redemption means He redeemed you. You are going in one way, being stupid, and God redeemed you, right? I in, in the 80s and 90s, everyone wanted to use the word sin, sin, sin. I like to use the words dumb, stupid, stinky, smelly, evil, bad, because those are more accurately described the ambiguous term sin. Okay, he, What He redeemed us from is our evil ways. And He pulled us apart. There it is. Gave us his righteousness so that we're in Christ. Now, who's doing all this work? Are you doing this work? Nope. This is God's work. So that's what I'm saying. This should be tickling you somewhere deep in your heart. This should be good news to you. This should fire you up a bit, because this is God's work. And then it says in 31, So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's why you as a Christian should be the first person to go into a room and say, Hey, I'm the worst dude here. I am evil. Uh, Yes, I am evil. But in Christ... I'm justified, I'm forgiven, I have a purpose, I have a meaning, my guilt is gone. I live for Jesus, I have a hope, I have a purpose and a plan from God that He gave to me before the foundations of the world. That's what a Christian can say in one breath. Right? A lost person can't say that. They're going to say stupid things like, Hey, we're all trying our best, and we're just working our way through it all. <laughs> that stinks. I feel bad for you if that's the best your Christianity is. All things for good in God's glory. Romans 8.28. This should be familiar to you. Romans 8.28-30. And we know. Remember about believing the truth? This is truth. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. You know how I mentioned a couple weeks ago to know the difference between suffering for Jesus or suffering for being dumb or suffering in a sin-cursed world? For a Christian, it doesn't matter if we're suffering for Jesus or suffering because of a sin-cursed world. All things work together for good for those who are called sanctified, set apart, according to His purpose, God's purpose. So God pulls you out, and now every good thing that happens to you, every bad thing that happens to you, it's all working together for good, for the Christian. So if you get up and stub your toe, praise the Lord, right? That your toe has been stubbed because it's bringing about your sanctification. For those he foreknew, God, he predestined, planned before the creation of the world, to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that in, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified." This is all surrounding like layers of a cake or an onion or whatever. Those who belong to God. You're justified before God. You can't do wrong. Even though you're going to sin before this day is over, in God's eyes, you can't do wrong. You're justified. That's the present tense and that's the future tense. That's why a Christian can't lose their salvation. Because it's not Based on your works It's based on the works of Jesus So you're justified And you're glorified And this was all planned Before God made the universe That you were going to be Belonging to him If that doesn't give you hope I, All I can do is give you biblical truth If in your hearts and minds You're just getting a brain fart I can't help you This is it This is it you know, I don't know, maybe you need to go watch some more of the, uh, I don't know, what's that song, competing song? Stars, idols, American Idol. If that gives you better hope or make, gives you warm fuzzies, whatever. This is, the, this is the meaning and purpose of life, the universe, and everything. Victory that comes from God and through God to God's glory. In Romans eight thirty one and 32. Now, this is Paul. He just gave us all this stuff. Jesus did for us. And then He says in Romans 8, 31 and 32, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's like, whatever. The creator of the universe has got a plan for me. Here we go. Right? Who's going to get me? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? So, in God, in Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the universe is for God's people. And we're going to have a new universe someday with no curse on it. And we're going to get to enjoy a universe. God's infinite, His creation's going to be infinite, as in... We have all the time to enjoy anything God decides to make at any moment forever. And it will always be perfect, always be beautiful, always be fun, always be the best. And we can't stub our toe in it in this new creation. Do you got it? Do you you understand the depth, the mind-blowing bigness of God? Everyone hang in there boys and girls. We're getting there. The victory is you, rescued from evil and set apart from God. In Romans 8:33 through 36, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? God's chosen people, those ones called out of because it is God who justifies. Is it your hard work that justifies? Is it cuz you tried your best? No, it's God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So not only is God the Father, you belong to Him, you're on His side because He pulled you to His side, but then Jesus Christ is also there, hugging you, saying, back off this with me, God the Father, God the Son, and God places the Holy Spirit inside of you, saying, mine, mine. There is nothing in all the universe that can come near a soul that's been redeemed by God. Who shall separate us from that love, from the love of Christ? Tribulation or distress or persecution? Famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. Now pause right there. Like, wait a minute. What good is this love of Christ if a sword can get me? If a bad day can get me? If poverty can get me? If, you know, if bad things can happen? What good is this love of Christ? If I, you know, has Joel Olstein ever preached from these, from uh, this 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians? Has he ever preached from that? That, you know, famine and nakedness and sword can get you? but it won't separate you from the love of God, that wouldn't fit with His prosperity gospel. He'd have to cut that whole scripture right out. See, the love of Christ, the true love, is not creature comforts. Well, I can pray and get a good parking spot at the mall. Isn't God great? It's the true life, the real you that has been made alive, that is immortal, is already with God. So whatever circumstances in life happens, you're with God, real life, the real you, which is not determined on your physical abilities, 2 Corinthians 5-4, while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Again, Joel Osteen and any prosperity preacher would say, it's this mortal stuff that God's blessing. It's your flesh that God's blessing. And he wants you to have a shiny new car and, and lots of money and all that stuff. And, and nah, I can't say that. This is all talking about real life. Now, as a young person, for me, it was very exciting to get a car, to get away from the family, and to go live my own life. It was very exciting. And in my mind, these things weren't God things. There was a separation in my young mind at the time. That, well, this is life. You church stuff, blah, Right? But... Go to a basketball game and look at the stadium, look at the crowds. You got young people that are sitting in a corner, some of them are talking, they're bubbly and happily, and they got the big eyes, (laughs) right? And then you got the the middle-aged people and they're looking a little more tired and they're not exactly exuding this glamorous joy of youth, right? And then you got the seniors in the room there and they're barely getting to the second pew, not just because the bodies are aging, but life is hard work, isn't it? And it beats on you and beats on you and beats on you. You would think you know um, people could take a step back and just look at the slice of demographic and go, is there a story I need to be paying attention to here? Right? Right? As we go through the lives, the sins that people do to us and the sins we do to other people, and just all the pain and suffering and challenges and losses, and it's like, ugh, you know? There's got to be something bigger and deeper and more meaningful and have more hope than just frivolous stuff. And that stuff is that God has got something juicy for you. There's a meaning and purpose to every pain for the Christian. And it goes far beyond what is mortal. It's your real self that God's after. That's where real life is. So, real love, 1 John 4.10, this is real love. Not that we loved God, because we didn't, but that He loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You know, that's great. The love of Christ is the relationship forever connected with your creator, so that every little detail of your life, from, from what socks you're going to wear to what careers and relationships, all have eternal meaning and purpose. So even today, when you picked your socks out, it was all part of God's sovereign plan. What cereal you ate, it was all part of God's sovereign plan. There is not a detail. I think R.C. Sproul said, there is not a rogue molecule in the universe, because if there is, God is not sovereign. Nothing happens without God ordaining it, without God giving it permission. That's how much sovereignty God is. He did not make the clock and leave it. He is holding it together. He is running it. He is managing it. Everything goes by his desk and it's either approved or vetoed before anything happens. Everything. Now that might offend you. Well, God let bad things happen to me. Yup, and he's going to let more before it's all over for you and I. He's also going to let good things. Did he let you get up this morning? Did he not just commit judgment? All the people who are blowing him off in this town right now now God's given them a day of grace of general grace. They hate him, they hate everything about him and they think they like goodness but they hate everything about the good giver and then when they, God gave him one more day of grace but that day of grace is adding up to their judgment. Because at the end of the day, he's going to say, I gave you 80 years of life, and did you ever come to Jesus? Oh, I just tried my best. Not good enough. You hated my son. You hated my son who I killed for you. You have nothing to offer to the throne of righteousness for eternity. You are found wanting, and you will be judged righteously. Oh, yikes, I don't want to be judged righteously. Time out! Right? Right? None of us want to be judged righteously other than through Christ, which comes grace and mercy. That's what I want. Now, before we get to the next verse, I just want to th- point out that as a baby Christian, I didn't have a church folk. I didn't have families that, may, you know, parents that make me come to church. I didn't have that. What I did have, when someone finally led me to Jesus, um, I still, as a 20-year-old, as a baby Christian, I still didn't have someone to say, this is what a Christian looks like. Jeff, do you have a discipleship program? Do you have a worship program? A ministry? No, what? What? Right? I remember someone gave me a, a Bible for my birthday, calling it my new birth birthday. I had a birthday for becoming born again. It was awesome, and that was the first time I had a Bible that wasn't a big golden holy book that I'd never opened. It was a real study Bible, and I was thrilled. But the things that I used to look for is like, at the end of the day, when I really first yielded to Jesus, I'd look for things like, did I think about you at all today, God? And I'd look back, and it's like... Yeah, it was around lunchtime. I thought of you. And I celebrated. I thought of God once today. Yay, me! Right? Did I pray at the end of the day? I did. I prayed. Yay! Because I knew it was me, but it wasn't me. Something inside of me was pushing me that wasn't me. It was God. So, I was looking for these evidences. Am I changing within? So, the guy who was discipling me, he took off to Bangor and started to live. And in Maine, that might as well have been Washington State. Because Maine is just like Paw Paw. They might as well have moved to Winchester because no one's going to traverse the distance anymore. Right? You might as well have just left the planet. But at that time, I was a gamer. I was into role-playing games. I was drawing for a game, a play-by-mail game. I was into this stuff. And God convicted me, and I gave it up. Nobody told me. No preacher preached. Just I couldn't study the Scripture, growing in Christ, knowing I was selling boxes of bad stuff to kids. I couldn't do it. I was internally convicted. It became icky to me in my heart, and thus I let it go. All right, all right, I'm done with it. And I went to my family who was involved, close friends who were involved, and said, and two of them claimed to be Christians, and I said, I can't serve Jesus and do this anymore. I'm out. Good luck, y'all. Bye. Right? They didn't give me a hard time. It was uncomfortable. And then my disciple came back six months later, and I shared with him what happened. He says, it's a good thing I was gone. And I said, why is that? So that no one could blame me for trying to change your mind, and no one can blame you for being misguided by anybody. The Holy Spirit convicted you, and you started to do what was right. And again, that's not me. That's that's boasting in the Lord. That's the Lord changing me. And I can claim that as a flag of victory. Yay! God's beating me! Yay! Do you have those flags of God changing you and God doing things in you? That should excite you that the Holy Spirit is setting you apart, sanctifying you, pulling you away from the old and dumb and giving you true coolness and awesomeness and purpose and life. Right? That's my story. And that's where we become more than conquerors. Now, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord." Now, I used to think, well, I can mess myself up. I can get between God's love and me. No, you can't. If God's got you, there's only one right answer. I love you, God. I will serve you, God. There is only one right answer. A Christian does the right answer. All right? And plus, anything else in all creation... Which includes you and I, cannot separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So, just in case you think, well, yeah, okay, a demon, an angel, they can't get in the way. All right, yeah, but I can. I can mess it up. Anything else in all creation includes you, includes me. Even we can't stop God from loving us. Yay! Right? I can't creation's enemies simply cannot beat the Creator. God's the Creator, nothing created will ever win against him. Okay? Amen. Yeah. God perfects his children, first John four, fifteen through nineteen. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. This is a fact. This isn't a cause and effect, as in, okay, if you're not loving good enough, you're not in there. It's not a chain reaction. It's a fact. This is how you know. This is how you know the dashboard lights are on. It's a present term, so we've come to know and believe that the love of God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. That's a fact. By this love, yeah, by this is love perfected within with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is also. Are, are we in this... This is tough to say. So that we may have confidence on the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. Okay, As he is Christ, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love... Because he first loved us. That's why I'm saying a Christian can't help but obey. Because they're experiencing the love of Jesus. They want to respond. And that's what we were talking about last week. The fellowship, discipleship, ministry, worship, and evangelism is somebody who's experiencing the love in Jesus and wants to return the love. So God who does not change, changes us. In Malachi 3.6, For I, the Lord, do not change. God doesn't change. What happens is, where are our little zombie monsters and we're walking along trying to be stupid and evil? God saves us, sets us apart, calls us out to his purpose. God never changed, but we're always changing. A Christian always has in their heart, I want to love you better, God. I want to love you better, God. That's our little chug-chug engine, like the little engine that could. I want to love you better, God. I want to love you better, God. Bring it on. Help me. Right? And that's the prayers we pray. That's what it looks like. So here's a little chart from Tim Keller. And, uh, Uh, It's hard to read up here, but boy, this is juicy. Let me just unpack this in in happier terms. Well, these are all happy terms. The model of the cross-centered life. Justification. Look at that base word of justification. What about justice? Is justice bad or good? Justice is good. You bet. And which leads to our sanctification. So, Justice, let me read this to you. I fix my eye on Jesus. I repent of self-salvation strategies. Self-salvation strategies. What can I do to win God's favor? What can I do to go to heaven? Eh, Nothing. You can do nothing. I believe that Jesus is my perfect righteousness. Again, if you're to stand before God's throne and He says to you, why should I let you into my heaven? If the first word out of your mouth is not Jesus, you're in trouble. Because if you go up to Him and say, well, I did my best. I tried my hardest. And Jesus helped me. Wrong, wrong, and wrong. And that's an absolute insult and a blasphemy to God the Father. His anger will dump on you in such terrifying depth it'll be overwhelming and it'll never end. The first thing you should say is Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus was my sacrifice. Jesus did it all. I did nothing, nothing to get here. Jesus did it for me. That's the only right answer. Um... Jesus worked for me as part of this justification. I have a new legal status before God, fully forgiven and perfectly righteousness. For those in Jesus, God the Father looks at you and says you're fully forgiven and perfectly righteous. And you have a new living hope to live as God's child. And you possess the root of of Positional justification. Positional justification means Jesus took your place and you are justified before God the Father. Even though you messed up yesterday, you're going to mess up today, you're going to mess up tomorrow, you're justified because it's the work of Jesus. And thus, we can say sola de gloria, which means glory to God alone. You or I can't say, well, here's why I'm going to heaven, God. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. i got some justice here somewhere. Here, here, you see how I was nice to the kitten? See how I was nice to the hamster? See? That ain't going to cut it. You ain't got no glory to give to God. God's got all the glory. Okay? And then on the sanctification side, that's the continuating. Christians keep growing. I continue to fix my eyes on Jesus. I continue to repent of self salvation strategies. As a young Christian, coming to the Lord, I knew I was saved, but then it's like, how can I still be sinning? How can I still be a sinner and belong to Christ? And it must be something. I must be losing my salvation. Maybe I wasn't saved enough, you know, and all these questions come in. So there's that continual repentance. Of self-salvation strategies. And I continue to believe that Jesus is my perfect righteousness. And God gives you daily opportunities to remember He's it. Jesus continues to work in you. This is all present tense. And you have a new personal power from God, the indwelling Holy Spirit, helping you, helping you, helping you. So as you can see, I'm going to wrap this up, because I'm overwhelming you with information, but... If I could ever communicate to you from the Word of God where you stand in Jesus, this should be blowing your mind and firing up your heart to want to live for Him more. And if that's whatever I could encourage you to do, is soak in the love of Jesus. Soak it in. So the reflection questions are, are God things becoming a habit in your life? Like, clearly for the folks here, um, church, the doors are open, we're here because we love God. And tough crap to the world that decided not to, right? We're going to follow Jesus, we're going to get to the church because we're commanded to. That's good enough. We go because we're commanded to. And it's a norm, Right? We go to work, we go to school, we go to church. The world is round. it all is the same, right? Are the things of God becoming a habit in your life? They are. You brush your teeth, you wash your hands, you read your Bible. Are those things part of your life? Alright? And then we end with this. God's not done with us. If you belong to Jesus, He's not done with you. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In one sense, I'd like to say you're in this for the ride. If you belong to Jesus, he's going to drag you through this life whether you like it or not, and you will like it. You will like it. How could you not want to like it, right? You belong to Him, and He's going to keep changing you into the image of His Son all through our life. And then He's going to wrap it up in one fell swoop, and we're going to be able to stand before God the Father, God the Son, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and not burn up. And matter of fact, it's going to feel so good, and it's going to be so good And we're going to say, why did I ever give any resistance at all to this? If I'd only known, if I could only go back and tell everybody, keep faithful, keep preaching, keep loving, keep going. The party, you have no idea what the party is like. It's insane. The world has nothing to offer us. Keep living for Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in my frail, broken humanity and stupidness, I'm trying to give Bible verses to folks here in this town. And I, for the folks who are hearing this, that, Father, you would um, fire them up. Fire them up. They belong to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, this is your job now. Use it. Uh, may your word bear fruit. And may you be glorified. Because that's what matters. Thank you for that love, Jesus. Amen. There's some food for thought. Please visit thespeakanddeacon.com and get connected to the growing number of social media Christians. thespeakendeacon.com Truth is here.